Welcome to episode 77 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Fern and Ruth. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Fern and Ruth, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps a few others can. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps a few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Have you ever wondered why someone would choose to come to Al-Anon, or why those long-timers are still there? Well, stick around, because today we're going to talk about why I came to Al-Anon and why I keep coming back. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic, why I came to Al-Anon, why I keep coming back. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. And joining me by phone is co-host Amy. How are you today, Amy? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Peter. The first segment of today's show will be our discussion of the topic. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. Today's reading is from Courage to Change, uh, April 11th. Amy, could you read that? Sure. Why I continue to come to Al-Anon? Because without spiritual help, living or having lived with an alcoholic is too much for me. I often need help to maintain a rational perspective. I long for a closer relationship with my higher power. The people in my meetings are so warm and loving that I would feel deprived if they were not regular a regular part of my life. The steps, traditions, and concepts all serve to put structure and goals in my life. Al-Anon is the light that helps me find my way in the dark. As a long-time member, I am very familiar with Al-Anon, but I am no more of an authority than any other member. I try not to present myself as a paragon of Al-Anon wisdom, and I discourage newcomers from putting me on a pedestal from which I am bound to fall. I retain the right to have problems, to cry, to make mistakes, to not know all the answers. I still have a I still have and use a sponsor. I continue to give service to Al-Anon, but I don't have to be in charge. Today's reminder. The amount of time I've spent in Al-Anon is less important than what I am doing with that time today. I don't, and then the quote is from one day at a time in Al-Anon. I don't resort to Al-Anon only to learn to live with the active drinking problems. It is my way of life, an increasingly rich and rewarding life, as I learn to use the program in depth. Wow, that's that's a great reading. It, 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 I mean, it really captures the, sort of the way I see my program these days, I think. Um, it, it definitely captures the way I'm trying to see my program these days. <laughs> yeah. I should say that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't have to know everything, and I get to focus on today. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, well, why don't we start back at the beginning um, with the first part of the question, why, why you came to Elanon. Um, what did what did bring you to Al-Anon originally? Originally, this was probably eight years ago or so. I was working at a um, very unmanageable place to work. <clears throat> I was working basically six and a half days a week, and it was a very emotionally stressful job. Um, and so, you know, I hadn't been making very healthy choices for myself, anyways. And then I just I just realized I didn't put this all together because I've been wondering the same thing. I've been wondering, what, why did I come originally? I knew that my life was unmanageable, but 
thinking there must have been something that sort of set me off. And I finally figured it out that um, my dad, who had been sober for 10 years, started drinking again. Mm. And and that just set me off because he, he had been in AA for four years, but then he'd been, you know, sober for six years after that without going to meetings. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I guess that's, I think that's sort of the event that set me into complete unmanageability. And, um, <clears throat> and I had a friend, fortunately, who was in AA and he asked me to come to some meetings with him. And so first I, before sitting put in an Al-Anon room, I set foot in, the rooms of AA, mm-hmm. and that was really helpful for me. My first, you know, three or four meetings, I just cried, mm. and um, pretty soon realized that I didn't really belong there. That I belonged in Al-Anon, um, and so I started going to Al-Anon meetings. And I, I thought all the, I thought I thought the AAs were so much fun. You know, they're just like <laughs> having such a great time all the time, and you know, making jokes and all that kind of stuff. And I would go into the Al-Anon rooms, and I would feel like everybody was so serious and, you know, kind of boring and, um, you know, but I felt that I also felt a connection, you know, I felt something that I needed in my life. I, I felt, um, I observed wisdom and, you know, strength and hope. And, and so I kept coming and, um, mm-hmm. of course changed my life. So did you know about Al-Anon before you started going with your friend to AA meetings or did you hear about it there? No. I had never heard about it before. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think somebody at a meeting, one of the one of the AAs at a meeting said, Oh, you should try Alan on. And you're like, What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did, I found the room, so lucky for me. Yeah. For my part, I I had heard about Alanon. Um the uh, the primary alcoholic in my life is my wife and, and she had been going to outpatient at least a couple times, I don't know. She'd been trying various various ways to uh, to drink less or to to stop drinking, and and I know she went to an outpatient program at least a couple times before I eventually came to Elanon. And they would have the friends and family meeting. Um, I think that one was like Saturday mornings or something, and and they would tell us about alcoholism and codependency and uh, the the effects on the family and all that good stuff. And at some point. Uh, somebody would say, and and all of you friends and family, you should go to Al-Anon. It would it would help you. And I just didn't understand that. I didn't I didn't get yeah. it. Uh, it. Didn't seem like it was my problem. You know, seemed like she just had to fix her problem and everything would be fine. And I also was very resistant to the the twelve steps, which were always up on a, one of those big posters on the wall in a recovery center. Like I will never do that. Little did I know, huh? Uh, and and I finally hit my knees effectively not literally I think Um, it at at another recovery center friends and family day uh, this was an inpatient program she had escalated from outpatient to inpatient and I don't know if they said things differently but I heard them differently at least and when they told me that, that those three C's that I didn't cause it, I couldn't control it and I couldn't cure it. I've almost literally felt this sense of lightness that I had been relieved of a burden. And, and they said some other things that day that made me realize that, that I did need help. Uh, and particularly if I was going to be not able to fix her drinking, um, 
then I, I felt like maybe I needed to do something for myself. I don't know. I can't exactly express it, I guess. But um, I also picked up that little uh, flyer with the 20 questions. And uh, I answered yes to 16 of them <laughs> and, and maybe to one more. And then at the bottom it said, if you answered yes to three or more of these questions, you might benefit from <laughs> Al-Anon. And that, you know, made it pretty stark. Like, oh, yeah. I, I do have problems here, and, I, and, I, and here's a place where I can find help. And I didn't know any other place I could find help. And so I went to my first meeting that night, and, um, you know, I, I really don't remember what anybody said. Uh, but I do remember that I felt better at the end of the meeting. And so at the beginning I kept coming back because I felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, my first meeting, well, I walked in. Actually, I, I had called a friend in AA because I had no idea where to find an Al-Anon meeting. Um, I think there might have been one of those cards with meetings listed at the hospital she was at, but it was in a different town, and so it didn't list anything in my town. Or Anyway, I called this friend who was in AA. Funny how that works, huh? And, and I said, do you know anything about Al-Anon? And he said, yes. He said, there's a really good meeting. It's across the street from my house tonight. Would you like me to introduce you to some people. And I said, yes. (laughs) Actually, I said, I'll think about it. And then 10 seconds later, I called him back and said, yes. Um, (laughs) I was like, yes, I need to do this. And, uh, and so I walked in and I chose a chair right by the door so that I could like escape if I needed to, because I had no idea what was going to happen in there. And I really hoped I wouldn't see anybody I knew. And of course, almost the first person I saw was somebody I knew. And and I didn't understand that we were both there for the same thing, of course. I was like, oh, no, now, now she knows. Ah, <laughs> you know. Um, but I was desperate, so I stayed. So you talked about how the, the Al-Anon meetings that, that you went to, at least at the beginning, you felt they were really, what, somber or serious, something like that. Yeah. Um, has that continued to be true for you? Um, you know, I don't No, I don't see it that way anymore. I, I think I've lightened up a lot. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great gifts of the program for me is that I've learned how to laugh and have fun. And so maybe they were telling jokes in the other meetings, but I just didn't find them funny. <laughs> I didn't get them or something. And, um, no, I mean, now I, I have the fellowship, you know, I understand yeah. that we're in it together and, you know, I feel, I have a relationship with the people in the meetings, even if I've never been to the meeting before and I've never met anybody there before. I, I have a relationship with them. And, um, and that's not something that I understood, you know, when I first was walking into the room. Mm-hmm. So when you first walked in, um, did you, did you have expectations what the meeting would be like? Um, I don't, I don't know if I did. I, I mean, I think the only expectation I would have is that it would be something like AA. Right. Right. But, but you know, my so my expectation was was that I guess it was uh, that was the expectation that it would be kind of you know people get getting up there and telling stories and laughing at themselves and and then you know bringing it around to meaningful self discovery and growth you know mm-hmm. but it was more of a a group thing like the the ones that I was going to then we didn't I didn't have a speaker meeting. Um, that I was going to at the time. We just had the um, topic meetings and mm-hmm. book readings, and so it was more of a communal kind of environment. You know? uh, so so the AA meetings you had been going to were speaker meetings? Mm-hmm, yeah. 
Yeah, I could see where that would be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were they like? Or do you, did you have expectations? You know, I don't think I did. Um, I don't remember thinking this meeting is going to be this way or that way. Um, it, uh, it probably there was a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of concern about all that God language in the 12 steps because I was so oh. not anywhere near God at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they yeah. going to indoctrinate just, me? Yeah. I would just skip that word whenever they were talking. I would just sort of <laughs> go over it, you know, and be like, okay, well, I'll try and find something else that's meaningful in what they're saying, you know, because yeah. I was the same way when I came. Yeah. And, you know, I know a number of people who came to Elanon expecting to find out how to get their, their loved ones sober. And I think one benefit for me of, of having waited before I came was that by the time I came, I knew that I was coming for me. Mm. Although I think, you know, I'm, I'm just remembering that at that recovery center, they showed a little film that purported to be, I think, an NA meeting. And there was some discussion among the the people at the meeting about, well, maybe you could try this or maybe you could try that. And, and I think I thought, you know, I might get some hints on how to, how to better deal at least. Uh, And uh, what I found with the first meeting I came to did not have any crosstalk. And so, and, and I was told we don't give advice here. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, whatever. (laughs) So I might've had a little bit of expectation of that. And of course I found that eventually found that conversation outside of the meeting. Um, after the meeting, before the meeting, or you know, maybe going out for coffee with somebody where I could spend a little bit more time talking about what's going on with me, and eventually with a sponsor, um, mm-hmm. is is where I found that sort of thing. You know, I think now that you're, I'm listening to what you're saying. I, I think that um, I had an expectation of like a support group, like people were going to go. You know, we were going to go in there and basically like share our problems. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, it is it is a supportive group. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but it was. I had this idea in my head of you know, like everybody's crying and and um, you know, like you see in the movies, and and everybody in the room is broken. Is kind of the this expectation I think I had, mm-hmm. where you know, and it's funny because when I stop, you know, if I for whatever reason, you know, illness or vacation or something like that, if I'm not going to meetings for a week or two. Um, I start to feel like I don't want to go to Al-Anon because it means I'm broken. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, not quite on topic, but I was listening to an open talk recently. A guy was talking about his earlier experience. I think he was an AA and his sponsor told him, he said, there's two times when you need to go to meetings. So you need to go to meetings when you feel like you don't want to because then you really need it. And you need to go to meetings when you want to go to the meeting. He said, there will come a time when you're, you're somewhere in between. And then maybe you can skip a meeting. But if you skip too many, then you're going to go back out. <laughs> sort of like, yeah. like, yeah, okay, I need to go to a meeting when I don't want to go. And I need to go to a meeting when I do want to go. Um, when you started, did you go to <laughs> different meetings or was it mostly the same meeting? I went to a few different ones. And then I found one that I really, I went to whatever, because my, my schedule was so insane that I had to go to whatever I could. Oh, yeah. But there was one that now I know the word for it. It was my home meeting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that then. Um, 
and it was just a wonderful meeting. I mean, there was just so much recovery happening in, in those rooms, and there were some funny people. <laughs> funny people there, you know, which attracted me to that meeting itself. Um, so, yeah, I went to a number of them, but the one was definitely the one that kept me coming back. Yeah, I got... I think I was really lucky or, you know, I I need to thank, you know, my higher power and my friend who guided me to the meeting because the first meeting that I found is still the meeting I consider my home group. And mm. it's a meeting that has a lot of recovery in it. Um, you know, there are people, well, I guess I'm one of the long timers now. I've been coming for 12 years, but there are people that have been in the program for 20 and 30 and 40 years in that meeting. And they do have a sense of humor and they do have, um, you know, a, a way of of looking at themselves and reflecting back um, their own foibles. In, but also talking about, you know, how, how they've changed. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a meeting that focuses on the solution. And when we get newcomers in, it's a big meeting. Um, it's usually 60 to 100 people these days. It was about 20 to 30 when I came in. I thought that was big. Um, and so newcomers often don't don't speak in the meeting, although it's, I don't know how meetings work where you are. Um, most of the meetings that I go to, it's it's sort of what we call a popcorn style where people just uh, speak up as as they're moved. And, uh, yeah, most of my meetings are like that too. Um, and so a lot of newcomers don't speak up for a while. And I think, you know, there's a benefit there in that you sort of get to learn what people talk about in the meeting and what you don't see is a lot of people talking about the problem, which is people talking about the solution. And I think that helped a lot. Uh, I remember going to another meeting. It was like a Sunday morning and I was like, well, let's go try this meeting at the club. And this meeting, um, as is typical in the Southeast Michigan area, had a bunch of tables with sort of a small meeting around each table. And, you, you know, the whole group opens together, and, um, but then we split off into uh, tables, and each table has a topic. And one of the one of the tables was talking about steps, and I think they were like step eight or nine or something like that. I was like, well, I'm not going there. Another table was called barefoot, uh, which is basically open topic. Like, and And I thought, well, I'll go sit there because I'm definitely barefoot here. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that table that day, at least, was mostly people bitching about how awful their lives were. Oh. And I, you know, I was probably just a few weeks into the program at that point. I really don't remember. It couldn't have been a really long time because my wife was still home. At, at after I'd been in the program, maybe a couple months, she went off to a, a residential program for several months, and so she was still around. So this had to be my first month or so. But I already realized that that was not what I wanted. That that meeting was not helping me, mm-hmm. um, and so I never went back to it. Um, and uh, I know I tried I tried other meetings, um, and I found a few that I liked, and I found some that you know I wasn't wild about. And I always, uh, when I'm talking to people who are new in the program, I say do do try different meetings. They're all different, and you'll find some that work work best for you. Um, and it may or may not be this meeting you're at right now. So, um, did you find help in Elena? Or how did oh, you definitely. find out? Yeah. Um, I just, I don't even know where to start with that question. <laughs> My life is just completely transformed. Um, I would say the first big thing is that Al-Anon opened me up to my higher power. Mm. And that changed my life. 
because up until then I felt like I was I had to control everything. I had to I had to think through everything, you know, and I had to be the one that made to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And number one, that's not the case. <laughs> I don't have that control. And um, number two, I don't really want it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I love watching my higher power. Yeah, I love watching my life unfold. I don't. I don't really, you know, need to be the one that's unfolding it. You know, I can mm-hmm. just, I can just watch it, and um, and I love that. I mean, there's like the most beautiful things happen to me because I'm not in control. I like my husband. I would not have married my husband if I had not found Alan on. I and he's this amazing, supportive person that sees me for who I am and believes in the best in me, and you know, just very loving and loyal. And I, I do not, I do not believe to this day that if I had not gone to Eleanor, that I would have married him, even though I just feel so blessed to have him. You know, I feel very strongly that he's, you know, my higher power, I mean, my higher power did choose him for me. Mm. <laughs> I didn't do it. I prayed, you know, I prayed to God and, and you know, and God gave me this. And it was... Yeah. Yeah, you know... I you know, like him. <laughs> yeah. As I, I, I think, as I've talked about before, I think the... Uh, came to believe episode this is probably a good reflection of, of my pathway to finding a higher power. It took me, um, that was not the first thing that happened to me in Illinois. <laughs> uh, although the slogan that I latched onto right at the beginning was let go. I couldn't let go and let God because I didn't, you know, have that God to let go to, but I could just let go. And that was really, so in a sense, it's the same as what you said about, um, you know, not being in control, about recognizing not being in control and being able to say, well, if I'm not in control, then I'm not going to, to try to control it. Um, I it, I didn't have this, you know, higher power to be letting go to but it, at that point, but it still was a huge relief, um, you know, that at least I was, I was letting go of, of my attempts to control my wife and hoping that, you know, if I stopped enabling, if I stopped picking up her pieces and, and uh, trying to fix things for her, that, that maybe she would do it herself. And in a sense, in, in a very real way that that happened, whether it happened as a result of my letting go, I can't say, but I can tell myself that story because, you know, the one event followed the other, and so it's cause and effect, right? Maybe, uh, <laughs> but that that in itself, and seeing, you know, her pick up and and follow her own path and her own way to find sobriety, which it took a while for her. It was up and down um, for several years, but that then gave me a faith in in the, the, a higher power that could could restore me to sanity just as, uh, and, and that she had a higher power that could, would hopefully restore her to sanity. Um, and so, you know, I came there, but it, 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 I had a more roundabout path than you did. Um, but I did find help for the situation it brought me because, um, you know, first I found a, a community of support. I found people who understood um, and I, it, I don't know how I know, I knew they understood at the end of my first meeting, I knew that they understood that I didn't have to yeah. explain things that, and, and that they weren't going to give me this, 
specious advice that I would get from from other people around me um, if I ever opened up to them, which was almost never. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, they weren't going to, I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought people were going to tell me, but I knew that the people in Al-Anon were not going to tell me that, whatever it was. <laughs> and it gave me a safe place um, to start um, opening up, to start, um, you know, letting go of the things that I had been holding in, the emotions that I had been stuffing down, um, all that anger in me. Uh, I had a place to talk about it now. And to hear other people's stories and I think that's the other half of, of it is, is hearing the stories of people that had been where I was in one way or another. Um, and a good friend of mine in the program who's, whose bottom was uh, quite a bit lower, uh, although coming from a very similar kind of a, a story, uh, similar, you know, socioeconomic status and all. Um, but, uh, you know, their loved ones, alcoholism took them, took them a lot further down than ours did. And, and to be able to start to identify and to say, you know, my story is not the worst. My story is not the best. Um, and I can listen to these people who have been through it and have come through it and are, are living happy lives now. Uh, and I can find that for myself, I hope, you know, and that, that was, that was definitely, uh, that was definitely help. Um, and, and then, you know, moving forward and, and working through the steps also, you know, finding who, who I was, how I contributed to the mess, and how I could stop contributing to the mess was, was really huge. I mean, that's what got me to the place where I was able to live another three years with active drinking and not go crazy. Um, you know, that I was, as, as I guess what I'm going to talk about next week and stay or go, you know, how, how I was able to make the decision to stay, uh, which was not an easy one and took a long time. I, the situation that, that when you came to al you were working this crazy job. Um, yeah. And, and then um, your, your father started drinking again. Is that mm-hmm. continuing? I mean, I think you're, you said you're not working that crazy job anymore, right? No, it didn't take me. It took me just that. Um, that year to figure out that I couldn't work there anymore <laughs> if I wanted to continue my life in a mm-hmm. healthy or way I couldn't mm-hmm. be there anymore and so I yeah just was at the end of that contract basically um but my um so yeah so I started making different healthier choices and then and then I was actually out of the program for about four years I where I got married and I had kids and and uh, I moved across the country and all these things and and I always knew I wanted to come back, mm-hmm. but um, it was difficult to, when I was, you know, I moved one, two, I guess a couple times in that, in that time. And, and so I just didn't really ever put down roots anywhere. And so when I moved to where I live now, I knew that I was going to be here for a while. And so I started going to meetings, you know, and my kids were getting a little older, so I was more comfortable leaving them more frequently. And um, when you were um, sort of, I don't know, on hiatus or whatever from, from Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel that you didn't need Al-Anon or did you just feel that you really couldn't fit it into your life at that point? Yeah, I felt I couldn't fit it into my life. Well, I, I wanted, to, I always knew I wanted to come back and I always figured that I would because it made, it made me more the person that I want to be and more the person that I feel I am. Mm-hmm. It made me the 
you know, working the program and being a part of the um, fellowship, you know, made me love myself more. It made me like myself more. It, it gave me strength to, to just be myself. And, um, and so I always knew that I wanted to come back. And, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. And, you know, we tell ourselves these things, you know, oh, I don't have time. Oh, you know, I can't. You know, my husband was working crazy hours, and so I had these, these kids that I was taking mm-hmm. care of, you know, by myself all day for, you know, until 7 p.m. or 7.30 or whatever. And, you know, at that point, it's really hard to want to go to a meeting. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I could have made it happen, right? We know, we know that. I know that now in retrospect that I could have made it happen, but I didn't at the time. And um, But I was, when I came back here, I was not, when I started, um, Going back to the program, going back to the meetings and working the program, I um, I was not at my knees. You know, I was not on my knees. I mm-hmm. was um, my life was pretty good, but I wanted it to be. I wanted to be the best me I could be, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to be a better mom. I knew that Alan working the program helped me be a better mom, be a better wife, be a better person. You know, and so that's why I came back the second time was more for not out of desperation, but out of Hope and my knowledge because I had so so many just meaningful experiences in in Alamon the first time that I I knew what I I knew what I was getting into you know I knew what I had waiting for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know I I, sometimes um, people who are who are just coming into the program say. I don't know how I'm, I'm going to fit these, these meetings into my life. I mean, you say maybe go to more than one meeting. I, I'm, I don't even know if I can fit one meeting into my life. Mm-hmm. And I just smile. <laughs> because I, 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 I'm sure I felt the same way. Um, I mean, at the time, I, the only thing I remember at the time is this like sort of sense of desperation. Um, mm-hmm. And, but again, you know, I went to the meeting and I felt better. So I had to come back the next week and I felt better. And, you know, that at the beginning that kept me coming. And what eventually happened is that the meeting just became part of my life. Just like getting up in the morning and eating breakfast is part of my life. You know, how do I have time for breakfast? Well, I, you know, I I put it into my schedule. I get up. I get up at a certain time, so I have time to eat breakfast. And some mornings I don't have time to eat breakfast, and I don't, and then I miss it. And some sometimes I don't have time for a meeting, and then I miss it. Uh, mm-hmm. And for the, for a very long time, uh, I would not even consider activities that met on Wednesday evening because Wednesday evening is my home group, and it was sort of that was a sacred evening. That was not that was not going to get interrupted. And so there were things, activities that I just didn't do because. You know, maybe they met once a month on a Wednesday, and I wasn't willing to give up that once a month on a Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I do know the the feeling of, oh man, <sighs> gotta go to a meeting. You know, gotta gotta take that time. I don't know if I can do that, and I felt that. So I feel that sometimes. Uh, but yeah, what's, I mean, now I see it. It's, to me, it's about self care. It's one of the things yeah. that I do for myself. Yeah, it is. Self care is something I learned in Al-Anon. Yes, I go to <laughs> you know, I go to I Al-Anon. I go to church. I go to the gym. Those are my self care. Yeah, yeah. And I, I eat, eat breakfast. myself healthy food, and I yeah, I go to the gym and I go to Al-Anon, and I get rest. I get good rest. Mm, yes. I take care of myself. 
Um, okay. Well, I had a, I had some thoughts in there. They'll come back to me, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so it sounds like you came back to the program, and you keep coming to the program because um, you like the way that it helps you be a better person and that you're not in the program primarily now for um, dealing with uh, alcoholism that may be in your life now or was in your life in the past. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it's it, it's sure is helpful, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When, you know, when my dad comes into town or something, um, because he's, you know, he's still, he's got the illness. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he comes into town and he tells me all the things that are wrong with the way I'm doing things. And, you know, and I, I want him to come. I love my dad. He's such a gentle, kind, funny person. And, um, and but, I want my kids to know him, you yeah. know, but I, I just, he stresses, me out. <laughs> he stresses me out and thank God that I have the program because I don't think, I don't know if I could have a relationship with him if I did not. I think I might've given up on him, you know, Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how, what I would have done, um, or it would have just driven me, driven me even crazier. <laughs> but now I just can't even tell you that since since coming back um, to the program, I um, this time, I um, I really I, I see my dad in such a different way. I had all these paradigm shifts, you know, these mm-hmm. like perspective shifts on him, and now I see when he tells me that my 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 cereal bowls are too square. <laughs> I He's trying to help me. You know, I mean, that's a ridiculous example, but he's trying to help me. He thinks he's he's being a father. Like, he thinks, he, you know, he's not trying to attack me, but that's how I've seen it all my life, is, is that he's criticizing me and there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then, but he sees it as, he's just trying, he's just making suggestions so that my guests are more comfortable with my cereal bowls or whatever, you know? And that changes everything, you know, if he's coming from a different place, if he's not coming from a spiteful place. Yeah. He's yeah. coming from a place of, of wanting to, to, um, do something for his daughter, you know, and, and there he's got his own reasons for why he does that, you know, but. And understanding um, that, so my, sorry. It, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, this is what I've found is that the program has helped me to understand that, um, you know, my wife's reasons for doing things are, are her reasons and that mm-hmm. she's not doing them to spite me or to mm-hmm. change me, although she might like me to change. Um, you know, she's doing them because of who she is and the way she sees the world. And when I look at it that way, you know, it. I don't get the same emotional reaction to things she does when I understand that she's doing them because of her reasons, not because of something she perceives in me or something she wants to, to change in me. I mean, maybe she, like I said, maybe she wants me to change, but I know she does um, in many ways. I'm sure now she tells me I'm perfect, yeah. but please change this. Um, I mean, that that's, that's a joke, but it's also true. Um, and, and that, you know, I'm not, I'm not living with active alcoholism now, um, but I, I'm living with other people. And one of those other people is an alcoholic in recovery, and she's still an alcoholic. And she still has, a, you know, the, 
what I like to think of as, as alcoholic traits, um, because they seem to be common in, in, in people that I know who are alcoholics. She's, um, you know, when I say something to her that could be taken as a criticism, she always does. And she always, I'm trying not to take her inventory, but this is the reaction that I see that, you know, I will say something and she will take it as an attack and I will say, no, 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 no. Um, you know, this is, I'm not, I'm not attacking you. Um, I'm just noting something that's, that I see that's true. And she's like, oh, okay. It's not all about me. Um, and then we have a little laugh, uh, usually, um, yeah. you know, I have, I have children who are now young adults, um, and I have to remind myself that they may not do things the way that I think they should do them, uh, but that they unfortunately have to find out how things work the hard way, apparently. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, having the program to remind me that they are their own people and that they are not the people that I expect them to be and they are not the people that they were a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, really. Honestly, they're not the people they were 10 years ago. Um, even though I may occasionally see them that way. Um, you know, this week my son went to uh, a city in Europe for a conference and first time he's been out of the country by himself, well, by himself or not by himself, well, except to Canada. Okay, Canada doesn't count. We live right across the border. Um, and I started, well, both my wife and I, like came up with this whole list of things we had to tell him, you know, things to watch out for, things to do, things not to do, um, money, et cetera, et cetera. And, okay. and maybe luckily, I don't know, my wife went on vacation to visit her family this, that week. So she gave it to me to, to tell him all this stuff. And so I gathered up some information and I presented it to him, you know, about like, you get money from ATMs and if you don't have a chip in your credit card, you might not be able to use it as a credit card and stuff like that. And, He's like, yeah, that's what I've been hearing from my friends and reading on the net and all that. And I'm like, you know, he's on top of it. He's on top of it. And he got there fine, and I think he had a good time at his conference, and he, and he came home. And the other thing that I realized was he's 23, and when I was 24, I went to live in another country for six months, and I did have some support there. And then a friend of mine and I traveled all around Europe, just the two of us, uh, and we did fine. And of course, we felt totally uh, competent and in control all the time. Well, maybe not totally, but you know. And and my son's only a year younger. And if I if I was competent and felt I was competent, I mean, that's the way he's feeling. And and I have to let him do that. I have to give him, you know, the dignity of being himself. And and Alanon has taught me that so many in so many ways for all different people in my life. So yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not faced with the alcoholic drinking that originally brought me to the program, um, but it does help me continue to um, live well with the other people who are in my life, whether they're people in my family or people at work. And I'll tell you what, my family stresses me too, and and there's no there's no alcoholism in the family I grew up in at all that, that I know of. Um, you know, it may be one of my grandfathers was an alcoholic. I'm not sure. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, they still stress me when they come to visit. They have their way of doing things. And, and my father in particular, um, is, uh, has his opinions about how things should be done. 
and I have to let him state his opinion um, and um, say, okay, yes, I, I hear you, and then go ahead and do things the way that, that I'm going to do them. <laughs> and, and again, I learned that. I learned that here. Um, how about passing on the message? Uh, um, you know, I, yeah, so I, um, I've been, I haven't yet, well, okay, when do I start? Um, I, so to me, that's service, right? That, mm-hmm. that falls under the service category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have any, so I'm not a sponsor yet. I've had a few people ask me and, um, probably four people, I think, have asked me and I've met with them maybe once or twice and then, and then that was it. They just stopped coming and <laughs> I guess that happens. It you happens. know, I guess that's kind of standard, but, um, you know, I'm open to doing that. And so that's, that's one way that, that I can do that. Um, I took a secretary position, which has ended now, but I loved that part of service. And that I think helps carry on the message because, you know, like basically I'm the person that's sort of the face for newcomers. Mm-hmm. Sort of the face of that meeting for the newcomers, and so they feel comfortable coming to talk to me, and and um and I always feel a little bit nervous talking to newcomers because I don't want to like mess it up, mm-hmm. you know. I don't want like what I say to uh, make them not want to come down on or think that it's some way or another way that because the program has been so beneficial to me, just so completely life changing for me that I I want that for anybody else who has the shot at getting it, you know, mm-hmm. and um. And so I just, um, actually listening to your show, I heard on, um, you talk about one time about sharing in meetings and, um, I think it was you and you said that, um, you say a little prayer before you speak, you know, you know, may I say something that somebody needs to hear basically. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that where before I said anything, <laughs> especially in meetings, I, I, um, just say a little prayer, you know, for my higher power to guide me through my share, um, in hopes that it can help someone else, you know? And, it, you know, of course, they all, it always helps me to share, but <laughs> cause I hear things coming out of my mouth that I was unaware of before. And um, and I I get so much out of hearing other people share. And I know that if I just say it from my heart, it'll reach someone, you know? Yeah. And so, so that's how I'm able to... And I think also um, just being in the program, being able to, um, you know, not react to an alcoholic's behavior or um, an alanonic behavior, a fellow alanonic in my family, which I know a few of them who are, you know, what do you call them? Un- untreated alanonics. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that being able to not react in a way in, um, that I would have reacted, you know, 10, 10, 5 or 10 years ago even, um, does spread the message. You know, I think it, it does promote health in our family and then you know, among my friends and everything. So I would like, you know, and I'm here, you know, one of the reasons that I'm co-hosting today is because I, you know, I see this as an opportunity for service and I, um, I want to give back because so much has been given, continues to be given to me, you know, through this program. What about you? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I mean, almost always when I go to a meeting, I will hear something that I needed to hear. And maybe I'm struggling with a problem and I hear some stuff that helps me with the problem. Or maybe I didn't realize that I needed to hear it, but I hear it. Um, but I also do go to meetings to be there for the newcomers, uh, to be there for the people who are, you know, in the middle of it and in pain and 
and really don't know how they're going to, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to get out of it, how they're going to deal with it. And, you know, I have, um, I have a friend in, in, in the program who, like I said, I think, I think celebrated 30 years recently and says, you know, mostly I come to meetings to be here for the newcomer. I come here to meetings to, um, to carry the message, you know, step 12 says, and, but also I see this person, um, at meetings other than, uh, the, the, the regular, uh, my home group. And they're like, yeah, I really needed a meeting today. I, I come for myself and, and I come, um, to help, so, to help pay it forward. Um, because people were there for me when I needed them. And if somebody like me is not continuing to come, then, you know, nobody's going to be there when somebody else needs help. And, and I just, I can't, I can't see that. I can't let that happen. Um, so yeah. Okay. Any, any final thoughts on, uh, why you came, why you stay? You know, one, I mean, one thing I sort of touched on earlier was, you know, when I, when I stopped going to meetings for a, you know, a length of time, mm-hmm. or I just am not really working my program, you know, I'm not doing morning readings or I'm not, uh, you know, reaching out by phone or whatever, um, is I do notice that I, you know, I start, I start getting more short tempered, mm-hmm. um, trying to find, seeking out more distractions. Um, you know, and I do all that stuff anyways, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Al-Anon helps me to, um, sort of focus my energy in a way that I want to be, you know, more present. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and when I, when I'm not being conscious about that, then I um, get a little crazier. <laughs> and, you know, that's sort of the, the daily reason that I, that I continue to, to work the program is, is because I notice, you know, I notice a difference when I'm not working it. And I notice, and I notice a difference when I am. And I love the difference, you know, and I think, I think I'm worth the difference. You know, I'm worth that effort for, for myself. Thank you. That is... I, I don't think I could have said that any better, so I won't try. Um, after, <laughs> yeah. So after a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Our first song was suggested by Barbara, who's a longtime listener, and that song is "Laughing With" by Regina Spector. And Barbara says about this: uh, the line. No one's laughing at God when it's gotten real late and their kid's not back from that party yet really got to me. That's why I have a home group on Friday night. Those were the worst nights of the week for a long time. True recovery is absolutely contingent on developing a trusting relationship with your own higher power, and it takes work, blood, sweat, and tears. I have found that faith is not cheap or instant for me or my higher power. No one laughs at God in a hospital. No one laughs at God in a war. Laughing at God when they're starving or freezing or so very poor. No one laughs at God when a doctor calls after some routine tests. No one's laughing at God when it's gotten real late and their kid's not back from that party yet. No one laughs at God when their airplane starts to uncontrollably shake. No one's laughing at God when they see the one they love hand in hand with someone else and they hope. They're mistaken 
No one laughs at God when the cops knock on your door and they say we got some bad news, sir. No one's laughing at God when there's a famine, fire, or flood. But God could be funny at a cocktail party while listening to a good goddamn joke. Or when the crazy say he hates us and they get so red in the head, you think they're about to choke. God could be funny when told to give you money if you just pray the right way. And when presented like a genie with this magic like Houdini or grand swishes like Jiminy Cricket and Santa Claus, God could be so hilarious. Huh? things that I like in that song is is when she says, but God can be funny. Because it reminds me about, you know, in our meetings, um, we talk about some really serious stuff sometimes, you know, life and death and disease and breakups. and But at the same time, we also find laughter. We find joy, at least I do. Um, you know, and we can find laughter in in looking at ourselves, or we can just find laughter and, and joy in, you know, how it is when we're living now um, with some recovery to, to help us uh, to help us along the way with a higher power to, to keep us going. And uh, and I thought the song just reflected sort of both both aspects of the program in that way. Yeah, you know, there's this great um, there's a Dar Williams song, and one of the lines in the song is. Oh, how I loved everybody else when I finally got to talk so much about myself. And sometimes I laugh about that because I think that's kind of like what the program does for me is I get to talk about these things that I want to talk about yeah. as much as I want with my sponsor. <laughs> and then it's like I'm free for the week, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So speaking of, of the week, um, we do, uh, we talk about what it's like to live a life in recovery and uh, about what's, what's happening in our meetings and our lives in the, in the last week. And uh, so I had to think about it a little bit. Um, my home group, uh, we always on the, uh, and this, this week was the, uh, the second week of the month. So the discussion was uh, step six because, you know, the step of the month. And it was, um, I, there was, there was the, the person who um, did the lead, we opened with a 10 minute lead by one person and then people share on the topic. And, the person who did the lead said, "You know, I'm not. I'm right at step six right now, and and so I did a whole bunch of reading because that's the kind of person I am. I looked at all the literature and and basically um, interspersed readings from the various from various books, uh, from Paths to Recovery, from How Elanon Works, from from Courage to Change. Interspersed those with some personal reflections about uh, what they what they meant in in their own life and." You know, it was a really, it was a really good lead, and it, and it helped to spark um, a lot of people to, you know, share about their own experience with step six or their own sort of looking forward to it and, and thinking about how, how it might work for them. And uh, on my part, I reflected that that step six, in, and I've heard this said um, by other people that step six is where, for me, the real change started. That that you know, steps one through three are about admitting powerlessness and finding help, and and steps four and five are about looking at ourselves and finding the things that 
that maybe aren't working for us anymore, you know, the so-called defects of character. And, and in step six, we start the change process. We start saying, yes, I do want to change. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's good to come back and, and look at that again for me. Um, interesting challenges in my life in the last couple of weeks. Um, I talked about uh, my son traveling and me realizing that he's probably a lot more adult than I give him credit for if I just go on reflex. And again, you know, the program is teaching me to not go on reflex. The, it, that, you know, it gives me ways to, to examine my motivations and, and my thoughts and to recognize when I'm working off of, off of old tapes, as it were. And seeing him as a you know, 15-year-old instead of a 23-year-old is definitely an old tape, but that's kind of where I was. Um, my daughter, as I think I mentioned last week, um, a friend of hers died suddenly last week, and she went to be with their mutual friends and to uh, um, to process. And, and I got the joy of watching her take care of herself. I mean, by long distance, she was, you know, several hundred miles away, but watching her take care of herself in doing things like not staying in the house where she had lived with her friend who died, because she recognized that that would be just too hard, staying with other mm-hmm. friends, spending some time with people who were not connected with her friends. So she had some time where she could be talking about something other um, than, than their friend. And actually, she spent um, a night with the family of one of one of her favorite professors um, because this is where she went to college, and and so was totally disconnected from from that situation for that night. And watching her taking care of herself in this way, and thinking, "Wow, where did she learn to do this? How did she <laughs> learn to do this? Did she learn this from me somehow? Because I don't recall like consciously teaching her these things, but." Maybe uh, I don't know. Anyway, it was it was just it was really really wonderful watching that happen. And then she came home. Um, she got home Tuesday morning on the train and learned later Tuesday that one of her favorite professors had just died. And she knew it was coming sometime because he had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And she said, you know, and generally there's not a stage five. Um, so she knew it was coming, but it came a lot quicker than anybody expected, I think. And that on top of just having gone through her friend's funeral, um, really pushed her off balance. And, and I was, well, I was working, so, you know, I wasn't able to be there right away, but I was able to come and, and just be with her while she waited for one of her friends to be available to, to hang out with. And later that evening, um, she texted me and said, I ate a whole bowl of soup, like a person with a real appetite. And, you know, cause that had been one of her things. She was not feeling like eating. She was not feeling like doing anything. Right. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, this is good. And again, she's taking care of herself. She's finding the things and the people in her life that, that feed her soul and, and taking advantage of them. And, you know, and to watch, to watch her do that, to watch both my kids being, um, you know, competent adults is, is just wonderful. And, and to think that maybe 
maybe the stuff I learned in Al-Anon has something to do with with that, which they would have only gotten it from me more by example than anything else, but maybe they did. Who knows? I can tell myself that story. So that's my week. How's yours? Um, my week is pretty good. My sort of topic that was in the forefront of my mind was self-care. We had my family came down with a stomach flu in the beginning of the week. Mm. And so I had, you know, I had to, uh, basically lay in bed all day one day <laughs> <laughs> and just allow, I have a two and a four year old. Mm. And I, what's amazing is that they're now at the age where they can just play with each other for a long period of time. And so I could, I just got, you know, I would get out of bed and make them breakfast and then they would go back to bed and then they would play and play and play and then they would need a snack. And so I'd get out of bed and make them a snack and then, you know, just little sort of pieces of care for them. You know, the house was a disaster, but, well, yeah. they, but they were fine. And, and I just, you know, couldn't do anything else. All I could do was lay in bed and, you know, and I would eat a bowl of rice or something and go back yeah. to bed. And, and so I was forced to do that, but um, then um, I was able to go to a meeting on Thursday night, and um, it's a meditation meeting. So we do 10 minutes of meditation in the beginning, and then um, this is the only meeting I go to that's not the popcorn style. We go around the room and share. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, it was, a, it was a good meeting, and I was able to give myself credit for taking care of myself. And I even, um, I called in. Wednesday, I probably could have worked, but I, um, Tuesday was the day I laid in bed all day. And so I didn't want to put the pressure on myself to clean up the entire house and be ready for work at nine o'clock on Wednesday morning. So I called in sick. And of course, my boss is completely understanding, you know, but it took me, you know, some of those old tapes were playing in my head where, you know, I always feel like I need to do, you know, work because I can. And, you know, that's a responsible thing to do, but it really wasn't the right thing for me to do. And so I, I, you know, for my self-care. And, um, so, you know, I, I was able to give myself credit for that. So that was, that was good. And, um, um, that's about it. Self-care, I guess, is the theme of my week. Yeah. You know, we have, we have our slogan, how important is it? And, Mm. you know, you talked about, well, the house was a wreck, of course. And that wasn't the important thing at that point, was it? No. And, (laughs) and you can give yourself permission to let go of it because you're doing the most important things. And right now they're the, those are the only things you can manage to do and, and letting it go. Um, and that's, that is so wonderful to be able to do that, isn't it? It is. And you know, I wouldn't, I would not have called in sick on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I would not have done it before being in the program, but it's simple, simple logic. You know, it's just, if someone else said, oh, you know, I had to stuff who was in bed all day yesterday. I'd like to take one more day to rest to me. Of course I would understand. Yeah. But in my head, I'm making up this story that, you know, oh, then I'm going to be seen as, you know, this. But yeah. now I can be aware of it and I can, I can acknowledge that, that those are old thought patterns and I can do something different. So true. So true. Okay. Our topic next week is um, that really hard questions, stay or go. Uh, We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Uh, Leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about stay or go. And I'd love to include your story in this episode if you want to record your story of staying in relationship with an alcoholic or addict, or your story of how you decided to end the relationship. Please email feedback at therecoveryshow.com and we can arrange a time to talk.
And Amy, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of why I came to Al-Anon, why I keep coming back, or next week's topic of stay or go. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Thank you. And our our website, which is therecoveryshow.com, does have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the music we play, links to other recovery podcasts and websites. Um, We have a list of uh, possible topics, uh, which is not completely up to date. I was looking at that the other day and thinking, oh, wow, um, I need to mark down a bunch of these topics that we've already done. Um, but uh, you can look there, and uh, and if you see a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Um, always looking for music suggestions. Uh, both of the uh, pieces of music I'm playing today came from listeners. And uh, if you'd really like to join the conversation like Amy is, uh, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype. Uh, or other um, online medium, email feedback at com if you're interested. We got a little bit of uh, listener feedback this week. We got a voicemail from Akila, which I will play here. Hey, Spencer. I'm calling about the Tradition 6 episode. This is Akila, and I just wanted, one of the questions was using Tradition 6 in our personal lives. And we actually talked about that at a meeting last week, and one of them was... Um, if we find ourselves talking about money, property, and prestige, if we're caught up in these kinds of debates, then we've probably moved away from our primary aim. And so thinking about, like, if I go to visit my family and I find that my purpose is I want to spend time with my family and have fun with them and enjoy them, then we start getting into debates about things that don't matter and everybody's getting heated, that means I have a choice to say, wait, what's my primary purpose here? And how can I get back on track so I can change the conversation, I can lead the conversation, and then I can get back to the business of having fun and enjoying their company. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, thank you, Akila. Uh, you have any thoughts about what Akila said, Amy? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I I have to agree. I mean, I you know, I was talking about my dad earlier and him coming to visit and how that has been historically a very stressful thing, and now I'm starting to even be able to enjoy his visit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And, it's wonderful and, to have that, the ability to, to change my mind and just enjoy the moment. Yeah, and to, to stay focused on why you're there and to not get distracted. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a gift. We had a very short email from Julie. She said, "Loss episode was wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you, Julie. Um, I have to say, at the at the end of recording that episode, I felt like I really hadn't said what I wanted to say very well, and I was not feeling good about it. And I thought, I don't know, maybe I need to re-record it or something. And I get in these I get in these places where I'm just in my head and not necessarily seeing reality. But that's where I was, and and I, and I sat down to edit it." And and as I went through it and I listened to it again, I thought, no, you know, this really is okay. I, f- I feel I feel good about putting this out. So it was really good to get uh, get a positive response from Julie on that. Thanks. 
Yeah, Spencer, while you're on that topic, I just wanted to thank you for your service. This podcast is, is um, a wonderful tool for me. And um, if I can't get to a meeting or if I'm just taking a walk and I feel in some, I need some program, I can listen to the one, pick the show of my choice and listen to it and enjoy nature. And I just really appreciate that you're putting it out there. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, it's, it's uh, a great tool for me in my recovery, too. So it has that dual purpose, just like going to a meeting and sharing. Um, got a, a voicemail from Charles. He talks about um, some stuff I said about um, podcasting on a, on a forum on Google+, Plus, uh, but also a little bit about the show. Hi, my name is Charles. I'm from Idaho, and my podcast is Wilson Wonderings at wilsonwonderings.ga. I just wanted to thank you so much for the um, post that you uh, put on the Audacity podcast sharing the uh, amount of downloads over time. Um, I thought that was a really neat way of representing the amount of downloads, and it also helps to get a really good idea on the long tail effect. Um, I hope someday to uh, be able to visualize my podcast in a way that makes sense. And I also appreciate your podcast. I think it's so great to see good 12-step recovery stuff out there. Um, thanks a lot. If you need to connect with me on Twitter, I'm in. All right. Don't need his Twitter. Um yeah, at what I was showing there, um, and something that I think reflects on what you just said is that um, some of the episodes, many of the episodes that I have posted, people continue to listen to them more than a year later um, in, a, in, in sort of not insignificant numbers. I think I was looking at the our most popular uh, episode was the one on detachment, which was episode 12 from February last year, uh, so a year and four months ago. And, you know, people are still listening to it. It's pretty amazing. I think next week I'll probably be recording Stay or Go live, um, probably about 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time uh, on Sunday, the 22nd of June. That would be um, plus four is uh, 18 uh, Greenwich time for those of you outside the U.S. and uh, who don't relate to Eastern Daylight Time very effectively. I, you know, I get it. Uh, I always have to think about. I had to think this morning when my son called from Germany. What time is it there? Let's see, six hours. It's seven in the morning. Oh, okay, that's reasonable for him. Okay, <laughs> you know, he's on his way to the airport at seven in the morning. Sounded good. But uh, so yeah, um, come visit us. Uh, we we have a little chat room where we can interact, uh, and you can interact with our listeners. So uh, uh, I will post uh, my intention of when it's when it's going to be on on the website later this week. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Fern and Ruth did. And thank you again, Fern and Ruth, for your generous contributions. It does keep us going. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. We are here for you. We'll close the show with the song Ordinary People by John Legend. Akila suggested this song. She said, It is excellent for almost every topic having to do with recovery. It's just a reminder that we're all doing the best we can at all times. It would have gone nicely with resentments, expectations, forgiveness, etc. And I thought it would go nicely with just recovery in general, like she said. Girl, I'm in love with you. This ain't the honeymoon. Past the infatuation phase. Right in the thick of love At times we get sick of love 
It seems like we argue every day I know I misbehaved And you've made your mistakes And we both still got room left to grow And though love sometimes hurts I still put you first And we'll make this thing work But I think we should take it slow We're just ordinary people We don't know which way to go Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. This ain't a movie, no, no fairy tale conclusion, y'all. It gets more confusing every day. Uh, sometimes it's heaven sent, then we head back to hell again. We kiss, then we make up on the way. I hang up, you call, we rise and we fall, and we feel like just walking away. As all of the advances we take second chances Though it's not a fantasy I still want you to stay We're just ordinary people We don't know which way to go